Chapter Fifteen of The Silver Princess in Oz by Ruth Plummy Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen, Nonagon Island. The same afternoon, the four travelers arrived at the Red Jinn's castle. A lonely fisherman in an odd nine-sided dory pulled out from the Nonagon Island. This strange, small, nine-sided island lies about ninety leagues from the mainland of Ev. Flat, barren, and rocky, it affords but a meager living to the nine fishermen who are its sole inhabitants. Each keeps strictly to his own side of the island, subsisting frugally on fish and the few poor vegetables he can grow in his rocky little garden. Hard and unfriendly as their island itself, the nine nonagons go their own way, exchanging brief nods on the rare occasions when they meet one another. The habit of silence had so grown upon Bloff the fisherman in the nine-sided dory, he did not even talk to the cat who shared his rough dwelling and accompanied him on all his fishing trips and so accustomed was poor Nina to her gruff and taciturn master that she expected nothing from him but an occasional kick or fish-head. Never sure which would be forthcoming, she kept her green eyes watchfully upon him at all times. This afternoon she was certain it would be a fish-head, and as Bluff reached the spot where he had set his nets, her tail began to wave gently in pleasant anticipation. Bluff himself seemed a little less grim, for the net seemed quite heavy, and sure he had made a good haul, he began pulling on the lines. But when his net came wet and dripping over the side of the boat, he gave a grunt of anger. In it were only three small fish and an immense red jug. His first impulse was to toss the jug back into the sea but reflecting glumly that he could use it to salt down fish for the winter, he rolled it into the bottom of the boat, and, kicking the disappointed cat out of the way, rowed rapidly back to the island. Stamping into his nine-sided shack with the net over his shoulder, Bloff banged the jug down on the hearth, cleaned and cut up the fish, and popped them into a pot hung on a crane over the fire. Then, lighting his one poor lamp, he sat suddenly down to wait for his supper. The fish-heads he flung cruelly into the hot ashes, and whenever he dozed for a moment Nina tried to pull one out with her paw, for she knew full well she would get nothing else to eat. For perhaps an hour there was not a sound in the fisherman's hut except the crackling of the driftwood in the grate and the hoarse breathing of the fisherman himself. Then suddenly Nina, who had almost succeeded in dragging her supper from the flames, gave a frightened backward leap. "'Oh, my! Mercy me! Mercy me!' came a muffled but merry voice. Where but where am I now?" As Nina and her master turned startled eyes toward the red jug, for the voice was undoubtedly coming from the jug, the lid slowly lifted, and a round jolly face peered out at them. 
What he saw was so discouraging, Jinnicky, for of course it was Jinnicky, dropped back out of sight. The magic fluid with which he had sealed himself in the jug before Gludwig hurled him into the sea had been melted by the warmth of the fisherman's fire, and the same warmth had restored the little red gin to his usual vigor and liveliness. In a sort of protective stupor he had managed to survive the long months at the bottom of the ocean. A quick thinker at all times. Jinnicky rapidly regained his senses and realized at once what had happened. A fortunate tide had carried him into this fisherman's net, and at last he was on dry land again, and now to find and face the villain who had usurped his throne and castle. "'But why, why?' groaned the little Jinn dolefully. With all the fishermen in the Nonestic Ocean did I have to be pulled out by this long-jawed fellow." Venturing another look, and at the same time thrusting his arms and legs out of their proper apertures in the jug, he saw that Bloff had seized on an oar and seemed about ready to whack it down on his head. "'Non, non, non, my good fellow,' puffed Jinnicky fixing his rescuer with his bright glassy eye. "'Put up that oar. This is no battle, and I have much to say that will interest you. But first of all I want to thank you for pulling me out of the ocean heartily, heartily. A suitable reward will be sent to you as soon as I get back, uh, get back my castle.' To this polite speech Bloff paid no attention whatsoever. But Nina, liking the pleasant voice of this curious visitor, began rubbing herself against his ankles. "'I am the Red Jinn of Ev,' announced the little wizard, keeping a wary eye on the oar. "'At present banished from my castle by the treachery of a trusted officer. In fact,' Jinnicky tapped himself smartly on the jug, "'the villain actually took everything I had and tossed me into the sea.' "'What's wrong with the sea?' inquired the fisherman hoarsely. Never having seen any one in his whole life but the eight other Nonagon islanders, Bloff did not really believe what he saw. "'I'm asleep and having a nightmare,' he concluded, grasping the oar more determinedly still. And we can hardly blame him for a fellow whose body is a huge red vase into which he can draw his arms, legs, and head at will, is pretty hard for anyone to believe. Realizing he was getting nowhere, and that his grim and dour rescuer cared nothing about his troubles, past or present, Jinnicky decided to try another line. "'Perhaps you could tell me the name of this place and your own name,' he murmured politely. I am Bloff, my cat is Nina, and this is the Nonagon Island, announced the fisherman, frowning at the little wizard. Ah, a nine-sided island! The red jinn stretched his arms and hopped up and down to get the kinks out of his legs. And I see you have a nine-sided cottage and a cat with nine lives. Picking up poor skinny Nina, who was purring for the first time in her life, 
Jinnicky stroked her back thoughtfully as he counted the nine pieces of furniture in the rude hut, noted that it was nine o'clock and the ninth of May. But is nine my lucky number? he pondered wearily. Could this churlish fisherman ever be persuaded to sail him back to the mainland? Looking at Bloff out of the side of his eye, he very much doubted it. Though Bloff had put down the oar, his manner was anything but cordial. "'Are there any other people on the island?' asked Jinnicky, more to keep up the conversation than because he really wanted to know. At his question Bloff put back his head, and in a long sing-song voice drawled, Bluff, bluff, bleef, bluff, 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 and bluff. Oh, my mercy! At each name Jinnicky gave a little jump, and as Bluff came to the end of the list, he seated himself gingerly on the edge of the bench and stared into the fire. What could he hope from such people? Then. Suddenly, in the midst of his worries, he became aware of the fish chowder bubbling cozily on the crane, and realized at the same instant his enormous and devouring hunger. After all, you know, he had not eaten for seven months. "'Ah!' he beamed, extending both arms toward his host. "'Dinner!' "'My dinner!' The two words were spoken so gruffly. Jinnicky's heart fell with a loud clunk into his boots. Why, this was unbelievable! He, Jinnicky, the one and only wizard of Ev, to be flouted and insulted by a miserable fisherman! Well, at least he could leave the fellow's miserable hut and try his luck with the other islanders. Reflecting sadly that a wizard without his magic is no better off than any other man, the red gin slid off the bench and started for the door, trying to walk in a calm and dignified manner. But halfway there a sharp grunt brought him up short. "'Aho! No, you don't!' rasped Bluff, catching up with him in two strides. "'Where do you think you're going? Stop! I need that jug to salt my fish!' Here, give it to me. Why, you, you miserable mollusk, don't you dare touch me, panted the red gin, trying to beat off the fisherman with his puny hands. This jug is an important part of me. Without my jug I cannot live at all. And do you think I care for that? sneered Bluff. You're just an old lobster in a pot to me. Here. Give me that jug. Seizing Jinnicky by both arms, Bluff tried to shake him out of the jug. Nina, enraged at such barbarous treatment of the only one who had ever been kind to her, proved an unexpected ally. Flying at the fisherman, she began to scratch and claw his face and hands so successfully Bluff had to drop Jinnicky to grab the cat. The force of the drop sent the red gin rolling over and over, dislodging a small silver bell from a hidden pocket in his sleeve. 
as the bell fell tinkling to the flagstones, Janicki gave a bounce of relief. His magic dinner bell! And up his sleeve all the time! How had he ever forgotten it? Oh, now, now, if Ginger had not been destroyed by Gludwig and just answered the bell, everything would be different. And Ginger did answer the bell, and everything was different. My, yes, so different. Bluff threw the cat at Jinnicky and simply raced for the door. No wonder. In his small, nine-sided shack were now an elephant carrying a silvery princess in his trunk, a black boy in a tall turban, and a white boy in a sparkling crown. With one more terrified glance, Bluff took to his heels and never stopped running till he was waist-high in the nonestic ocean. End of chapter 15